After experiencing the transformative power of a regular meditation practice, it's natural to feel inspired to share this gift and guide others on their own journey of discovery through meditation. Join Buddhist teacher David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell, comedian and creator of the Netflix animated series The Midnight Gospel, for a free online event on Tuesday, May 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll discuss the profound practices of mindfulness Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash beherenow for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you like to get off your chest? Are you holding on to secrets, fears, or frustrations? We all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Don't keep it all bottled up inside. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and work through whatever is weighing you down. It's also a great way to learn to resolve conflict, change negative thought patterns, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash BeHereNow today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash BeHereNow. So I, I really am, I have come to this point of not being owned by any isms, but uh, me um, having all these isms to, to, to support me and not for me to become a slave of any isms. Well, you know, they say all isms end in a schism. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just made that up. They, they didn't uh, actually say that. You are good at making up uh, <laughs> uh, song titles and lines. That's, and yeah. Uh, That's why I get the medium bucks, that's for sure, yeah. Hello, and welcome back, friends, to the Creativity, Spirituality, and Making a Buck podcast on the Be Here Now Network with David Nickturn. This is episode number 25, Awakening Your Inner Shaman with Marcelo Lobos. My name is Michael Cammers, your guide and host on this journey, and it's a pleasure to be here with you. All of us at the CSM Podcast hope this episode finds you and all of our listeners as well as can be. We are very excited to be sharing this conversation with Marcella, who is a shaman and teacher rooted in the traditions of the Andes of Peru and Chile. She just released a new book entitled Awakening Your Inner Shaman, A Woman's Journey of Self-Discovery Through the Medicine Wheel. In this book, she tells the story of her journey of alchemizing her pain and sorrows into sources of wisdom and compassion through the lens of the shamanic medicine wheel as well as Joseph Campbell's archetypal exposition of the hero's journey. David and Marcella are close friends, as you'll hear. The conversation unfolds very warmly. While Marcella lays out her story in this discussion, it's worth mentioning that on her journey, she founded the Four Winds Society with her partner, Alberto Violdo, who was a guest on episode 18 of this podcast. At the Four Winds Society, they wed ancient wisdom and modern science to transform the world by bringing exceptional joy and health to everyone they work with. 
That's probably enough to set the table for this episode. However, I think it's worth defining, or at least contextualizing, what shamanism is briefly out front here for you, before we take a deep dive. So, I asked Marcella via email if she could share a few words about what shamanism is for the intro, and this is what she shared. Shamanism is the ancient wisdom tradition of the Americas, providing healing to the individual and balance to the community, connecting the visible with the invisible, and the mundane to the divine. So, there you have it. We sincerely hope you enjoy this episode, and I have to give it to Marcella. She starts with the strongest opener ever of a CSM podcast to date. So without further ado, David and Marcella. Good morning, Marcella. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, David. So wonderful to be with you. Always. I enjoy so much our conversations. Yeah, this is a great joy. Um, Marcella and Alberto and I are good friends, and we've had many uh, Dharma talks and regular talks and all kinds of uh, hanging out situations. So uh, this should be really uh, a good, a good fun today. Um, did you 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 wanted to start with a little ritual? I understand. Is that right? I always like to center myself and maybe invite our guests to do the same. So maybe we bring our hands to our hearts and um, we set a intention or motivation whatever we're needing at this point in our lives, um, may we receive the wisdom that we are needing to hear at this point. And I'll actually share a little shamanic uh, prayer that I work with um, often, okay? Mm-hmm. So this is very shamanic and is part of what I've been working with for 20 years. And we call on the four winds, the directions, and then earth and heaven. To the winds of the south, great serpent, great Amaru, bring your coils of light and wrap around around us your wisdom so we may remember how to shed what no longer serves, like you shed your skin all at once, so we may remember the beauty way. To the winds of the west, O Torongo, great Jawar, bring your ways or fearlessness and fierceness so we may build up the courage within to face our shadows and our fears and hesitations and may we then leap into our becoming a whole to the winds of the north hummingbird royal hummingbird bring your ways of sipping only from the sweetest nectar of life remembering our passion remember that there are always flowers and colors no matter how difficult the situations, bring your wisdom, aho. To the winds of the east, eagle, condor, you who nest in the high places, help us see with your eyes, with your wings, the great perspective, not get caught in the problems of the day-to-day, but just remember our great flight, aho. Pachamama, Mother Earth, Gaia, we always gather in your name, honoring all life on this beautiful garden that you provide every day so we can be sustained in our bodies, nourished with your waters, your air, your your fruits, and all that you give us. We honor all our relations. Aho. To the great heavens, great mother, great father, bring your light 
and inspiration to all of us. May we breathe in, be inspired by the love that you are, that unconditional and universal love that creates, that sustains, that destroys, and that incubates new life. Aho. And to each one of us in our hearts, honoring our ancestors that allows us to become, to come to this moment. And to our children's children, may you come and whisper that which we have forgotten, that is important for us to offer a, a, a healthy world for you and beyond. Aho. Thank you, David. Complete teaching in itself. Mm. So powerful. It centers us, huh? It grounds mm. us. It's like brings, this is um, how we create sacred space. Mm. So it's kind of like instead of walking into uh, a building that we call church, we build a church around us. We build a <laughs> temple of light, of, of harmony within and these are our allies in southern, um, in South America. The four great archetypes: serpent, jaguar, hummingbird, eagle, and then, of course, always um, our ground of being is Mother Earth and Spirit. There, as we've discussed in the past, there are so many commonalities between the shamanic tradition and the. Uh, Tibetan Buddhist tradition, particularly the shamanic dimensions of that, and particularly the Shambhala teachings that, that I studied, which also have four uh, animal dignities, they're called. Really? It's tiger, lion, garuda, and dragon. Oh, wow. And someday we should just go correlate those two. Um, yeah. Because there are, I know there are commonalities. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it's a way to cultivate the path of the warrior. That's explicitly what they are. Mm -hmm. We also walk the path of the warrior, uh, the luminous warrior, the one that walks. Um, though we may be afraid, we choose love rather than acting from fear, other than reacting. And I know Buddhism also is very much into um, override the poisons, the hatred and ignorance mm -hmm. and and act from a place of more awareness and compassion, right? So yes, a lot of commonalities. And I think it is because reality is one. So mm. different people have uh, created different maps of the same reality. So how can it not be similar? Yeah. Well, it's, it's of course, there are people over the years who've tried to correlate a lot of these, um, both archaeologically, historically, traditionally. And of course, we live in a modern world in which all these uh, points are accessible to us, which is was not the case 500 years ago. Exactly. And I think a lot of the prophecies speak about this, like the eagle flying with the condor, um, so the wisdom of the north, um, meeting with the wisdom of the south in the Americas. And then I also heard prophecies. Actually, one of my latest teachers is a Bon shaman, so uh, like a, from the Bon tradition, I know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, it's one of the Buddhist um, um, lines. Um, um, so they they also, I learned from this Geshe how they hold the prophecy. It's not a well-known prophecy, but of the of the Tibetan people having 
uh, or the Himalayan people having half of the stone and the other half of the stone is in the West. So how do we, these two halves come together? And I feel that um, I'm not an expert about that prophecy, but it is a metaphor of what's happening, like all the traditions coming together. So we can really figure out how to go through this great rite of passage that is asking us to die to whom we have been so we can be reborn into who we need to be to be able to sustain life in this planet. So is is the death a metaphor or do, do we literally have to follow the tra- trail of the phoenix and pass away from the body? Well, uh, this is individual, I think. So is <laughs> uh, uh, for the world is like, a, uh, it's a lot, at all levels um, because Physically, we are experiencing so much illness. It's not just the, the, the virus with its Delta variant, but it is, it is, we're in a very sick world because we are breathing polluted air, drinking polluted water, and, and, and just uh, eating very modified um, food and with a lot of artificial stuff in them. So, of course, the body is not happy and some people just don't make it, right? No. Um, but then also at a mind level, uh, the level of thought and feelings, emotions, we are due a, a new paradigm. We are due a new way of um, thinking, economy, thinking, um, lifestyle, thinking, so everything is so messed up these days, how we have lost touch with our roots, with the earth, with what really sustains us in this world, in this life. So it's not only about learning to meditate and remembering that we are ultimately um, just spacious emptiness and so forth, but it is also about being embodied, right? So how we remember to be embodied. And I think shamanism, um, it's a gift in that way because everything is uh, it's an embodied practice. It's really that connection with the earth, with the flowers, with the worms, with the insects. It's an animistic relationship. Um, so even we speak to the stones and the rivers and the mountains and the forest, nothing is totally dead. Spirit is in everything. Uh, and then uh, I feel like, um, well, the little I know about Buddhism, Buddhism has... Um, merge with uh, tantric, yogic, and shamanic um, ancient practices. So they also uh, they 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 uh, explore the realm, and the ideal is to be embodied. But but a lot of the focus and the, what fascinates me actually is like the maps to the beyond and beyond, right? So I feel like shamanism has given me great roots, have really reconnected me with my roots, with herbs, with everything that the earth has to offer. But now I'm super curious about everything Buddhist uh, as far as like, what can we, um, the, what can we explore beyond the beyond, uh, beyond life on earth and just like the ultimate possibilities as far as consciousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when we spoke last week, um, you were sharing that you are spreading out your wings and looking into, uh, I think it was four different sort of sources of wisdom and knowledge. Mm 
Uh, could you share that with everybody? Sure. Um, so I, I, am, I grew up in the Andes of Chile. I grew up with mountains. Um, when I was naive, I was hiking the mountains. When I learned, I learned that I had to go on a pilgrimage, not just conquer the mountain, but let the mountain conquer me. So uh, a totally different relationship. But I grew up with the coldest ocean. I mean, right next to the Antarctica with penguins. And I was swimming as a kid. I would let the ocean just toss me around. And I would have purple lips. And I was still, and I'll be shivering, but I will not get out of the water. <laughs> uh, so I grew up with the elements. I grew up with the winds. I really grew up in that nature. And I think that shaped me in a way. And, and it really um, made me have a very open disposition for shamanism. And then, um, in an, in the other hand, I grew up in a very Western materialistic paradigm, like, like most people in this Western civilization, and all the do's and the don'ts and, and a dictatorship, actually. I grew up mm -hmm. in, in this... For the first 18 years of my life, I was in this very oppressive environment of Augusto Pinochet was the dictator in Chile. And so very narrow mind, very uh, poor cultural life, uh, very little artistic expression because all the artists left Chile because, you know, artistic expression is freedom. So, of course, you couldn't be free and they all left the country. So I call it the dark ages or the, yeah, of, of, of Chile uh, as far as, uh, as, as cultivating the arts within and expressing all of that. So, but of course, my soul knew better. And at age 18, I didn't know why, but I felt this urge and need to go explore the world. And I was a bit crazy I have always been and I like that actually so uh, on my own by myself I just decided to go to the U.S. and surf in California <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up in California with my surfboard yeah and I, I had a lot of happenings and mishappenings of course mm. a lot of lessons and then eventually I married the surfer and this was uh, my prince beautiful blonde blue eyed surfer um, coming from South America, everybody's so brown and dark. You know, mm. he was like the dream prince. And then... Isn't that had, funny how we always look for the opposite? Yeah, yeah, completely. And he, of course, had his uh, dark side. And then I ran into his dark side. And my life was really difficult then. Mm. And I had two children with him. And then I was in my dark night of the soul. So... Um, that's when I was really in a very low, low, low place, considering even taking my own life because I was mm. so desperate. And at that point is when the shamanic path came into my life. So, yeah. So to answer your question, uh, I love the, the, I have such love for this tradition that I walked for 20 years so far. And, um, deep and steep with shamans from the Andes of Peru and Chile and in the jungles. So it's been my life and I have been teaching uh, for 15 years now in, in my husband's school, the Four Winds Society. So obviously I divorced and married uh, Alberto Villoldo. And 
but I feel like um, after all these years, my soul is it, it wants to keep um, exploring and growing. So uh, it's like when you go to school, you go to university and you study economy and then you practice for 20 years. And that doesn't mean that you don't learn something else. Like you have hobbies like photography or, or that you learn to fly a plane. So it doesn't mean like you are trapped in the box of economy for the rest of your life. So that's what it is for me. I feel like uh, shamanism and, and, and the economists will always be an economist. They always have that mm-hmm. wisdom, right? So sure. the shamanic wisdom is with me. I know it will always be with me. Nevertheless, I feel the need to keep growing. And I'm very drawn to the Buddhist practice, especially Vajrayana, mm-hmm. uh, of course, because it's so shamanic, mm-hmm. a lot of rituals. I love all of, all of that. And at the same time, I began as a yogi, you know, in my 20s. I, in California, I, I learned the path of yoga, and I was loving it so much. I, I was practicing Ashtanga, learning about the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. So I, I had that in place when I ran into shamanism. And um, so I feel like myself, like I'm a yogi, I'm a shaman, I'm becoming a Buddhist, not to get in another, into another box, but just to have a, a access to these conversations and being with the with the, with the sangha that is worldwide and exciting. And also, I feel so much like a mystic, you know, like mm-hmm. the person who honors the mystery as the mystery and doesn't try to understand it and box it like <laughs> like other traditions do. So, just who, who like, represents that for you? Uh, who represents? So there are so many mystics like Kabir, uh-huh. Rumi, um, even more than Rumi. Um, he, one of his uh, his beloved Sham, Shams of Tabriz, um, so who taught Rumi to to go to the tavern and find God in the wine and not just mm-hmm. in the text. So uh, so many inspirations and and. Um, Nowadays, one of my inspirations is Andrew Harvey. I love uh-huh. his work. I okay. speak with him once in a while. Uh, so, yeah. So, I I really am, I have come to this point of not being owned by any isms, but uh, me um, having all these isms to, to, to support me and not for me to become a slave of any isms. Well, you know, they say all isms end in a schism. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just made that up. They they didn't uh, actually. You're good that. at making up uh, uh, song titles and lines. And that's, yeah. yeah, that's yeah, why I get the medium bucks. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. So um, you know, there's a an expression uh, in the Buddhist tradition: all dharmas agree at one point. It's actually mm-hmm. a Lojong slogan. So you're studying these various dharmas for people who don't don't know what dharma means. It just means. A, a, a relationship to truth and a particular, sometimes a particular method, like you could have Buddha Dharma or other types of Dharma. And uh, in general, it's sort of broken into, you could say, lower and higher Dharma, only in the sense the lower one is sort of practical and earthy, and the higher one might be closer to how spirituality or mind works. Mm-hmm. So, what is the one point they all agree at? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, if they don't agree in like reality, then they are all uh, lo- <laughs> like lost in some um, 
just uh, illusion. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's what I mean. It's like who's serving who. And at the end of the day, as a mystic, I have to say that, you know, all these um, beautiful traditions may be like a vehicle in the ocean to navigate the, the great unknown, the great um, waters. But in the end, the really courageous ones plunges straight into the waters and learns to, to even with the sharks. And, and that is the greatest courage for me. So yes, then I get in another boat and, and I enjoy a rest and, and being guided, but at the same time, having the courage to plunge into the known on yourself. And I think that's a little bit my life. Mm. Uh, like um, I'm most faithful I'm to my own experience. Mm-hmm. And I think Buddha and, and all the luminous ones, Christ and all the um, luminaries really said that, you know, mm-hmm. this is my experience. This is, these are my teachings. These are my maps. Here are for you to use them as they serve you. But ultimately, you, it's only you can find ultimate reality on, on your, you know. Do you, do you know the Van Morrison song, As We Sail Into the Mystic? Have you ever heard it? Uh, maybe, but I don't recognize. Uh, isn't the that a great, maybe. great title? <laughs> <laughs> it's something you sail into. It's a great way of saying it, in a way. You sail into. Yeah. Or, so, or otherwise, you're speeding to, like, uh, like Jonah and the whale. You know, <laughs> like he was in the boat. He was being sailed to it, <laughs> and then, and then he, of course, was escaping his, uh, his dharma, his uh, mission, sacred mission. And then he incurred the wrath of of spirit. Well, what was Jonah's sacred mission? Was he had to? Uh, God had asked him, has asked him to go to tell the people in Nineveh to that the 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 they will be they will experience what we're experiencing today: this great upheaval, chaos, and destruction because they have um, become greedy and out of out of harmony. So uh, he said, I don't want to go tell those guys uh, what to do because I don't like those guys. Mm-hmm. So he got on a boat and went on the opposite direction. And then, and then um, the wrath of God uh, was, was uh, witnessed. And then the sailors and the captain said, who has incurred the wrath of God? And he, Jonah knew that if, if he didn't say it was me, everybody will be um, like plunge into the water. So he said it was me and he jumped into the waters. And well, then, uh, let's keep going. Then, and then he, the, the whale swallowed him at that point? Yeah, yeah. So he spent his dark night of the soul three days inside the belly of the whale. And of course, in the jungles of Peru, I learned that when it's dark is when you do your deep work, uh, your mm. advanced work. Mm. Because if you, um, if you are in a movie theater, and you are projecting a movie, but the lights are on, all you're seeing are the walls and the chairs and the other people eating popcorn. But, <laughs> <laughs> but if you turn off the lights, you can see the movie. And of course, that movie is our inner movie. So when in the Andes, when they're teaching their apprentices, okay, they start working medicine plants in the daytime. So if they want to open their eyes and, and see other people and trees, they can but at night, there's no escape. So that's advanced training. Well, so this brings us to um, your new book, which is just out. 
when was it released? In May. In May, so just yes. very recently. It's called Awakening Your Inner Shaman. Um, it's a very powerful interweaving of your personal story. I, I was... Um, I learned a lot of things about you that I didn't know, like that you were a surfer. I never knew that, <laughs> you know, um, and also then the uh, classical, I'm going to say, teachings of shamanism seem to be uh, well, um, well presented in there. So it's, is that accurate to say it's an interweaving of your personal story with the, with the path of the shaman? Yes, very much so. So again, uh, for me, if these um, teachings do not apply to oneself, then what's the point? Mm -hmm. So I uh, actually uh, speak about the medicine wheel of South America, Southwest, Northeast, with their totem um, um, guide spirits, which we already call here Serpent Jower Hummingbird Eagle. Um, so I speak about all of that and the wisdom and the medicine of each of these directions. But also, of course, I have to say how did they help me get out of that dark night of the soul and that um, desperate, um, if the desperate situation with two little children and not knowing how to, to go about my life. Mm. So... Then uh, also I introduce other people's stories, so it's not just about me. Yeah. Uh, so other in each chapter I say how this has helped so many other people. I have seen hundreds and thousands of people go through the medicine wheel um, as I guide them with in the school, the Four Winds, and and then I also say this is so universal. See, this is the hero's journey. This is a this is a journey that is archetypal and it has been available and around for thousands of years. Joseph Campbell um, did an extensive and tremendous and uh, just mind blowing amount of work to show how each one of these steps exists in traditions from around the world since ancient times until in all the mythologies of, of, the, of the indigenous peoples. So I, I show how this medicine wheel, it is a journey of self-realization, who we are uh, spiritually and, and here now and, and um, at all levels, from the most earthy to the most sublime and, and all levels of our consciousness. So how we become self-realized as, as we walk these 13 steps. Joseph Campbell worked with 17 steps, but for me, I thought we could like compress it to 13 steps and, and, and correlate them with the directions of the medicine wheel, south, west, northeast, three in each. And then the 13th step is in the middle, how we become a master of these teachings. And then we are not in one of the directions, but we are in the middle of the wheel, um, offering our gifts to the world and i think again you know so universal that we are a hero not because um not because we save someone and then we stand on a pedestal and we receive a plot it's not about that but how we are heroes because we discover our gift that that we need to offer to the world even if nobody knows about ourselves even if it's completely anonymous and like, so they 
Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for everybody out there, there's also an audio book version of it. So that's uh, another way to access the, the book. Sometimes I like audio books um, because you can, um, you know, tune in while you're um, sitting outside or something like that, you know, and uh, or driving, which I do a lot of. So um, that's a rather complete journey you're picturing. It's ambitious, wouldn't you say? There's something ambitious about it. Yes, very ambitious. Actually, it, it felt like an ambitious enterprise to like follow the hero's journey, all these steps, and then put them within another map, the medicine wheel, and then correlate my story along the way and then bring other people's stories and match them also in each step. So, and how much, every, uh, mm-hmm, sorry. Uh, Marcel, how much do you like working with people? I, I, I have a couple of things I've been saying lately, like, um, you know, humanity's great. It's people I can't work with. <laughs> or enlightened society would be easy if it weren't for people do you love people do you love to work with people do you like to get into it with people is that part of your your joy in in doing this work absolutely because i see i think that's why you know it's interesting um the first um review i had for my book in amazon it 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 was heartbreaking for me because Someone gave me, and it, someone gave me one star, and say, very disappointed in the story. And they're right at the top, always. Yeah, right? it was yeah. the first. It was the first um, <laughs> review. So um, she said, "I don't understand how not nobody should ever be with an abusive person." Uh, uh-huh. good, good luck, Marcella Lobos. Like she was. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's like so, the shadow surface right, right at the beginning. Yeah, so I didn't yeah. write these people for the people that feel already enlightened and that they know mm-hmm. it all. I yeah. wrote this book for the people that are um, going through difficulties or feel lost or confused or haven't found themselves. And so I, I gave them a compass and that's a purpose. And I... Well, then I have a lot of five stars too. Yeah. After that, after that one, but I know um, that feeling—the very first one—and then it's stuck there forever. <laughs> yeah. Talk about letting go. Yeah, exactly. It's a good lesson. Well, and so, there's something about putting creative work out there that letting go is huge. You know, you just you just have to move on. Yeah. Um, are you working so on? I, on I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. So to yeah. answer your question. Yeah. I think that's why um, being so low. Okay, David. So look. When I was a teenager, um, I, w- I, I, I went to the highest volcano in the world, 23,000 feet, with my snowboard. And I snowboard down. I thought there was going to be more snow, but there wasn't. There was a lot of ice. And I, I snowboard ice, so you could say I had a world record on altitude snowboarding. I was surfing big wow. waves. I was always with the boys surfing the big waves and I was skydiving and I studied journalism so I could be in the I could be a war correspondent. So I had developed all these um, masculine and outer strength and physical strength. I was a triathlete because I within within myself I felt so insecure, vulnerable, and disempowered that I I was building this bulletproof person, mm. this iron woman. I was becoming an iron woman. Mm. So 
Uh, so like how someone that has a world record or had hiking the highest volcano in the world and snowboarding down, surfing big waves, jumping, being, I was sponsored to go to Alaska with my snowboard and just getting dropped, dropped at the top of these, you know, cliffs uh, of ice and snow in, in Alaska, in the Valdez Mountains, pregnant. I was two months pregnant. <laughs> uh, with my, and then there I am with all the pros and all the boys snowboarding down the mountain, these like 3,000 drops. And um, so I was a bit crazy, yes. Uh, so for someone with that amount of outer strength uh, to be, to fall so deep into misery, into the mm. darkness of the well, to be stuck at a place of completely like not believing in myself and totally disempowered. So for someone so utterly empowered to end up so disempowered, that's why I share my story. Mm-hmm. Because if it happened to me, then I learned it can happen to any single one mm-hmm. that we fall so low. And, and then, of course, I had to start building my inner strength, my wisdom, feminine wisdom, which is totally different. My yin, my yin mm-hmm. um, power. Uh, surrendering and so forth and letting the world help me and not me having to conquer, do everything on my own. So, so what kind of, now that's your, your, um, uh, you know, self portrait there. Um, and then I woke up this morning and couldn't stop thinking about working with other people. It just, and in the shower, I came up with the idea for a new book about actually working with people, uh, as part of a spiritual path. That's, that's so, uh, it's so much um, uh, elusive, that aspect of it, because we know ourselves, we work in on ourselves, we can sort of see what's going on. And then you meet somebody and their, uh, what you take to be their neurosis triggers some reactivity in yourself. So when you're working with people, what triggers you in somebody else? What, what is hard to work with when you meet somebody who's Thank arrogant? You, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, I just to, again, finish, my experience gave me so much compassion wow. for anybody. Mm-hmm. So now I, I when I see people that are uh, totally proud and arrogant or really victims, I really feel a lot of compassion, I think. And I think that is the ground of being for the to become a healer. And because and as a Buddhist, you know that inside of every person there is a Buddha. Mm. So Okay, so the key for me is that I have tools. So it's not just me wanting to help them, but I do have many tools. And that's what the shamanic path taught me, tools to become a healer. So I don't feel uh, triggered very much. I mean, I, I do, and maybe, and every time we get triggered, of course, they're showing, a, showing an aspect of us. So if I, if I do get triggers, it's about those people that just talk and talk and talk and talk and and tell their story and don't let and don't ever stop and they, they just are wrapped in their story and do not let you begin the work. But I <laughs> I know how to stop them. But of course, maybe that's me. That's <laughs> that's me talking and talking. So <laughs> I wonder if it's just generically true that we get triggered by things that remind us of ourselves, which is quite a I mean that's quite a powerful thing to recognize, which means. Every time you're triggered, you're in a great learning situation. Totally. 
And that is what depth psychology teaches. And that's one of my passions as well. Mm-hmm. Like how we are in this, um, um, how we have to become aware that when we get triggered is because there's something that we haven't resolved completely within our own psyche. And it, for example, like if I get really annoyed by people lying, is it because I was lied to at some point, I'm really hurt and I haven't healed that hurt mm-hmm, yet? Mm-hmm. Or is it because my uncle was lying all the time and uh, that mm-hmm. really bothered me? So it's something within me that's getting triggered because someone else is in front of the same person lying and doesn't get triggered at all. So it's yeah, very personal yeah. what we get triggered about. And that is really always, like you said, such a gift. It shows us where we still have to work on ourselves. So I always cherish um, those people that are showing me what I haven't mastered yet in myself. It's usually the kind of gift that we look for the return address on. <laughs> we send it back to the person who sent it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this is so challenging, this part of it. And, you know, I think people say this, but then when you, in the workplace, which is sort of what I was thinking about this morning, this is the most challenging. People spend eight, 10 hours of their day working and yeah. working with people. Like in, in both of our cases, we're working to present these transformational kind of teachings. And then you go, okay, how much can we infuse the workplace? Yeah. Those interactions with the principles that we're trying to present to the public. I'm finding that's kind of my front line right now. Yeah, uh, it is challenging. And um <laughs> Uh, I guess that there is a point in which you, you know, you can uh, become very much a, a martyr if you always like blame yourself. No, this is me. This is me. This is me. Right, right. So that's uh, the other side of the coin mm. of like, of course, I'm going to review myself and see where I'm hurting. And that's why I I get so annoyed. But in the other side of, of, of the coin, like I need to know how to put boundaries, healthy boundaries. So and not, speaking of yeah. healthy boundaries, mm-hmm. and I'm so curious about the shamanic tradition because I'm very drawn to it, as you know, and I've done some of your work, your and Alberto's workshops, um, and I feel very happy and healthy being a student there and, and seeing what I can learn. And um, what, do, what does the shamanic tradition say about uh, intimate relationships and sexuality? Is there, is there any sort of track there, uh, or is that more secret things or, uh, you know, inner things? Yes, of course. So, um, of course, we're having an energetic interaction and very profound one when we have sexual relationships. So if you are exposing yourself to uh, people that are very unbalanced, psychopaths, neurotic people, or just a lot of people are carrying very heavy energies, uh, heavy past and heavy situations and they're loaded with heavy energy. So when you open yourself so much to the point you let them inside of your own body, uh, you can pick up all kinds of intrusive, heavy energies. Mm. And that's why we as shamans are so carefully about like um, who do we let in our energy field? We, we mm. work a lot with, with the terminology of the energy field. Some people speak about aura, but for us, 
it's not just an emanation, like some brightness that it glows out of the body, but is more like a field of information. And this is the key to become a healer in our tradition, a field of information. So what is in that field? So when you meet a stranger, uh, when you become trained as a shaman, um, you, you pick up, okay, this person has really heavy energies. Maybe some of these is just, uh, just um, cultural stuff that but they picked up or, I mean, there's things that are very strange, like, or not so strange, like elementals. For example, even me, at one point, I went to a um, beautiful um, hot springs in California. And I was bathing in the hot springs. And then when I came out, so a, a very like benefic environment, beautiful nature, mm-hmm. hot spring. But I came out of the hot spring and I felt very uneasy. I felt like uh, like something was just dancing inside of me and I was not able to sit still and I was kind of like feeling all wiggly and I had picked up an elemental, a water elemental that was uh-huh. dance, dancing inside of me. So that's not like, so that's an intrusive energy, but without like a, uh, you know, like no evil um, charge of, of any kind. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there are other, um, all these intrusive energies, what they are like parasites. And they're mm-hmm. hungry or they're mm-hmm. scared. Mm-hmm. So we learn to part of our healing um, toolbox is knowing how to recognize these intrusive energies and how to extract them. So some pe- some people I have found I have worked with um, with people that are schizophrenic, mm-hmm. and you find like amounts of 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 like portals in these people and all kinds of energies coming through. So, or other people that are really, really angry. Of course, there are a lot of negative energies mm. that feed on anger yeah. or fear. So uh, when I work with people that are really charged in a negative way, I end up doing a lot of extraction work. Mm. I call them passengers sometimes. Passengers. Totally. And these passengers could be very demonic and very nasty, mm-hmm. or it can be very um, just naive or like mm-hmm. neutral, like this mm-hmm. water elemental I got. Mm-hmm. But um, this, the, the Catholics, you know how they learn to do, um, what do they call it when they will go with the saint water, with the, um, this... Christening um, or purification? Yeah, with... Mm-hmm. They go around with the cross and calling mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. on Jesus' name. I, mm-hmm. I, I mandate that you get out of this body, and then yeah. they have all this magic and exorcism. Water. Exorcism, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we do exorcism, well. but <laughs> in a in a different way. Mm-hmm. We understand that the energy that we're pulling out is just hungry or angry, or and also so sometimes we end up with two clients. The client, <laughs> the client that is being exercised, and and then the the, the, the energy, the entity that we're exercising. Well, and we ask, we don't ask you find that you have to be just so open and clear to be able to take that on yourself, or otherwise they just come and live with well, you. Well, well, David, thank you. So we don't. So this is the other key for us, and and I I know in Buddhism too, we don't work alone. We mm. work with it. We work with the lineage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it, it would be brutal to do this ah. kind of work. Mm-hmm. So I will never uh, and encounter face this kind of um, situations if I didn't call my lineage first. Wow. So I and there are different levels in this lineage. You you have 
the level of the healer. Then you have the level of the one that uh, is the keeper of, of, of the altar for the community, calling on the on the harmony for the day for everybody, not just not just being the healer one-on-one, but like let's uh, keep the torch, the light for the community, being an oasis of consciousness for the community. Then the next level is the wisdom keeper that really has a has come to this place of being able to to speak with the major spirit. So they they actually usually because this is an Andean tradition in in the mountains. They end up uh, with a tutelary deity, like a keeper mm-hmm. of the mountain, like a spirit that lives in the mountain, like mm-hmm. the, the spirit of specific mountain that is very powerful and ancient. And, and that spirit protects the healer and, and, and speaks to, to him, to her in the dream time and gives messages. So, so we really don't work alone, not just yeah. with the lineage of, of healers from before, but with the mountain. We work with the force and the wisdom and the love of Pachamama, Mother Earth. We work with angelic beings. We, we work with, with so many levels of, of, of spiritual aid and help. And so, yes, that's why shaman, shamans could do some powerful work out there and, and, and because it's, it's a bigger force. It's not just one person. Yeah, like I, I would say, mm-hmm. I would say I'm nobody without all these mm-hmm. allies, you know, <laughs> nobody without the allies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you're illuminating probably for many people, some very um, deep aspects of, of the tradition that you're drawing from. And um, to me, it's, I, I, I've studied different things since, you know, I, I studied, um, I've been studying with the, a Chinese teacher named Sat Han for more than 20 years now for um, Qigong, Tai Chi and Taoist studies. But he's, the Chinese are very eclectic, you know, so he's also a Buddhist. Um, in in China, sometimes the Taoists were protecting the Buddhists from being persecuted. There's a lot of crossover. And of course, the Chinese tradition goes way back to a shamanic tradition also. So right now, the time we're in, seems so specific to me as that the principle of interdependence at a global level is if I'm going to say all dharmas agree at one point, I'm going to choose that one right now. Interdependence at a global level is the main dharma that we all should be tuning into. Mm-hmm. What is the connection? Uh, what is our role in relation to like making that a healthy connection? Mm-hmm. And, and, um, you know, I don't. I don't pretend to be anything other than an archivist of the different possibilities. However, for me, as you know, the workplace very big deal. Um, everyday life very big deal. I'm sort of less and less interested in 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 studies that take us away out into kind of like elevated realms and alternate realities and things. I I almost have no patience for it, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. It's like, what is happening right here? Why is that person across the desk from me in a foul mood this morning? What's going on here? Why um, are countries fighting? Why are there different parties? What is going on on our everyday life level? So um, this to me, anybody who can bring medicine into that world is very valuable right now. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So let me tell you my latest work, what mm-hmm. I'm concentrating right now, what mm-hmm. I'm, my second book is going to be about. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> so it is it is that, David, because um, 
So these are initiations. I would, we, we speak in, in Quechua, in the Andes, and we speak about carpies. But if I had to, carpi, carpi. So if we, I had to choose a word um, like more um, understandable to the Buddhist community, maybe these are energetic transmissions. They are, but empowerment. Empowerment, okay. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what, what happens is the first empowerment is the one that um, the connects you to the lineage of healers. And this m- makes you turn the finger um, towards yourself instead mm-hmm. of pointing what we were speaking about, instead of pointing the finger out to blame the world, like point the finger to yourself and start start um, this journey of, 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 of realizing who you are at, at an essence and then as an infinite being, but here in your bones, in your blood, in, in the earth, in the mineral kingdom and all of that, but also an infinite being connected to the whole cosmos, galaxies, everything. So be as big as you want, but be as but be as deep as you want as you need to also. So that is the healer. And and then um, I was telling you about these different levels. So then the next empowerment forces you to not be, not to stay in this narcissistic journey of like and, and some people get stuck here like they want to mm-hmm. they they always have something else to work on themselves mm-hmm. so with this next level like okay now get your butt out of your own no yeah. your face out of your own you know what i know yeah okay so in a way it's like drop the little walls of your little life and stop worrying too much about your your cat your your children your 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 everything and look at the neighbors mm-hmm. what is happening with your neighbors what is happening in your town what is happening in your village and then and so i we we in at this level like okay we share like okay what are we doing about it what are we doing to make our our um, community a better community a better place for all and then the next level of the wisdom keeper with the mountain. Uh, okay, so what is happening in our region? How can we be an agent of, of good change for a bigger space? Like not just my little town in Massachusetts, but maybe the whole East, East Coast, East Coast or, or the United States. And then the next level is like the Kurakakuyak, the earth keeper, like, okay, but what about the people in Japan? What about the people in Turkey that just experienced fires? What about the other, in the other side of the world that is not separated from me? So we start like growing in our awareness, not just of the head and the news, but in the heart, like really, truly caring. And how this happens is not, not because only your motivation to care about the others in in the other side of the world, but uh, because of the lineages that we connect you with, that will force you to open yourself to to be a, a, a you know a, a, everything that you are, like interconnectedness, as you mm-hmm. said. So like that, you know. It's it's sort of close to Hinayana, Mahayana, and Vajrayana, mm. which you just described. You know. Mm. First, start working with yourself, then you open to interpersonal dimension, and then you're really um, kind of prying your mind open to its original state, which is interdependence. 
that actually, it's interesting. My son, Ethan, who uh, I don't know if you ever met Ethan, but I, I wish that we could spend some time together yeah. at some point. I met your son the other day, which was lovely. That was really <laughs> nice. I'm but, looking forward to meeting Ethan. For well, sure. he wrote a book called The Interdependence, um, The Declaration of Inter- Interdependence. Oh, One I City, like Declaration it. of Interdependence. And he took. Uh, the notion of egolessness, which is confusing, I think, to many, many people who get familiar with the idea of anatman or non, non-fixed self as a Buddhist mm-hmm. tenet. And the flip side of it is interdependence, which is a positive state. Uh-huh. But it's, it's identifying the exact same phenomenon. You do not exist independently, really, on any level. And that's yeah. what it means, no self. There is no thing that is existing independently, substantially, and permanently. There just is no such thing. That's all the Buddha uh, Buddha was saying, but looking at it as flipping it interdependent, um, you know, this is the big recognition. I think people are. This is our transition that we're going through right now. Is people moving from independent to interdependent um, consciousness? That's beautiful and so needed. Yes, it's hard. And, hard work. Yeah, and the danger is like to get stuck in either extreme. Like mm-hmm, just worry mm-hmm. about yourself mm-hmm. or. Worry so much about the world that you don't worry about yourself, and you're like, you know, you're like helping the world, but you, uh, you are ignoring your own needs to be yeah. in harmony in your body, and you become sick. So mm. that's why I think it's so important in both traditions, you know, Hinayana, mm. Mahayana, Vajrayana, and then here all these levels I described how it, we need to be present at all the levels, yeah. not get stuck in one only. Yeah. Um, Marcella, you are a teacher. There's no doubt about it. Um, and, and you're a wisdom keeper. And I, I am hoping that going forward, uh, we're able to do some work together facing towards the, the public, you know, um, because your perspective in my community is, would be so valued. Um, you know, the, the notion of the, the deeply, um, the mother lineage. That's what we call it. And Shambhala is a father and mother lineage. It's not masculine or feminine. It's not men or women. It's, it has nothing to do with, with that, um, that particularity. But um, y- your voice has always been really healing to me. I just yeah. want to share that with you. And likewise, you're my brother. And I would be so honored and happy to teach by your side anytime. So may this be like right now. A little, okay. We uh, are sowing the seed right now that yeah. we we teach uh, uh, something together, yeah, like yeah. online or in person. Yeah. So um, I just want to um, close up by telling everybody to go read your book and to mm-hmm. also tune in because there's a lot of material with you teaching on your website too. And that's how people are accessing these things a lot these days. Mm-hmm. So the book is called Awakening Your Inner Shaman. It is on Hay House, which is our dear friend, both of our dear friend. In fact, probably one of the ways we know each other, Patty Gift, who's been on this podcast herself yes. um, at Hay House. And uh, they're sold out. It's so popular, this book right now, that they've, they're sold out. But you can order it. And there's also an audio book. So please, uh, all of you listening out there, tune in to Marcella and also her, her lovely husband, Alberto Violdo, um, who are really speaking, um, you know, Almost, almost with one heart and one voice. It's very unusual. Sometime I want to ask you what that's like to work that closely with somebody um, 
I've had my own experience with it. It's it can be challenging. <laughs> yeah, it is beautiful and 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 gut wrenching sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll leave that for podcast number two. But I, yeah. I I love both of you so much, and um, I appreciate the work that you're doing, and um, it's been really a joy to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you, David. Much love to you and my dear Monica sister. I love her too, and I love you. Mm. There you have it, folks. Episode number 25 of the Creativity, Spirituality, and Making a Buck podcast featuring Marcella Lobos. If you liked this episode and are interested in hearing more about the shamanic tradition, uh, we encourage you to head over to episode 18 of this podcast with her partner, Alberto Violdo. Uh, Him and David have quite a compelling conversation in that episode, and you may enjoy it. If you'd like to learn more about Marcella, you can head over to MarcellaLobos.com. If you would like to support our podcast, head over to BeHereNowNetwork.com slash David, where you can support the Be Here Now Network and find more episodes of all the great podcasts on the network. Coming up next week, we have What the Heck is Mindfulness Part 2 with David and I in discussion. As always, if anybody has any questions they would like me to ask David in our David's View episodes, feel free to shoot me an email at K at dharmamoon.com. And please use the power for good with that little nugget of personal information. So that just about wraps up our episode. Um, we'd like to thank Melissa Mattern, our executive producer, and Corey and everyone at the Be Here Now Network for their assistance. Again, if you like the podcast, please share or leave us a five-star rating. It helps us uh, get the word out and keep the podcast going. So with all that being said, thank you again, everyone. May you be safe, healthy, happy, and at ease. All the best. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you like to get off your chest? Are you holding on to secrets, fears, or frustrations? We all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Don't keep it all bottled up inside. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and work through whatever is weighing you down. It's also a great way to learn to resolve conflict, change negative thought patterns, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now.